and what we're finding here is um, people are kind of waiting for the technology to level off, and that's not going to happen. The technology itself is is, is growing, and it's, it's leaping itself every year. There's new functionalities and new technologies and new iterations of those technologies that are coming out, and uh, people who are sitting on the sidelines waiting for things to level off are going to find themselves sitting on the sidelines for a very, very long time. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Grains West podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Clovis. Grains West Magazine is co-published by Alberta Barley and the Alberta Wheat Commission, and that's our goal to connect farmers, food, and ideas. And as always, if you'd like to read our exclusive online-only stories or subscribe to our monthly e-newsletter, you can visit GrainsWest.com. Alongside the great team at Grains West Magazine, we are here to bring you the story behind the story. Gathering aerial imagery is rapidly becoming commonplace in farming. In the special 2019 tech edition of Grains West Magazine, you'll find a three-part section dubbed Data Cultivation. It's a look at three unique digital developments within the ag data sphere. One of these is drone flight regulations, introduced in the summer of 2019, and their effect on farm users. The story found that the new regulations haven't dampened enthusiasm for on-farm use, which only continues to expand. Today's episode of the Grains West podcast is titled Drones and Data, in it, we take an extended flight with three experts for a high-flying view of on-farm drone applications. Now, to find out where drone technologies and usage are headed, we'll talk to Marcus Weber of Landview Drones, Melissa Silvernagel of AgriCity, and Chris Healy of InFlight Data. Grains West editor Ian Doig attended the Old College Ag Smart event held on August 13th and 14th, where he joined a drone demo. Now, Ian's going to hop on here. Ian, what kind of interest level did the event's drone demos generate? Attending that demo session really did emphasize that the new federal drone rules haven't hurt interest in using them any. Um, I talked with a father and son who were looking at purchasing a drone and the son had just received his drone certification and they were both keen to learn how to uh, employ drones to uh, give, give them new perspectives on their farming operation. They talked about using a drone to carry out uh, scouting and ins- to inspect for uh, weed and uh, insect trouble spots without having to go into the field. Uh, Marcus Weber of Landview Drones, who represented one of the two drone companies conducting sessions at, at that AgSmart event, uh, was joking with the crowd saying that uh, in the past he'd had to yell at people to get them to stick around for, uh, for drone demos. Uh, but for that session, he had about 20 people in, a, in attendance. Um, he was flying four drones of uh, various sizes while he delivered his talk, and he was fielding questions pretty much nonstop. Uh, between demos, I chatted with Weber about drone use in farming and about drone certification courses. I'm talking with Marcus Weber, president of Landview Drones, which has its head office in Edmonton. Um, he's been conducting drone demos at Olds College AgSmart. Uh, a lot of interest, we generated a lot of interest today, I see. Um, is, that, is that pretty typical or is it growing? It's growing, actually. Um, we had a lot of interest initially back in 2015 when we had an outdoor demo. We would have everybody showing up for it. In the intervening years, there's been a lot of time now when people, I think some people just didn't see the value in the drone because they were using it as a toy. But now with new sensors coming back and a lot more awareness about what the drones are actually capable of as a, as a farm tool, right. I'm getting a lot more interest. And especially at this show, um, had a lot of, a lot of people that are interested in crop mapping and in livestock applications. Um, can you give me a bit of an idea what the products, services, and I know training uh, courses uh, that Landview Drones uh, offers, and, and, and who are your clientele? 
farmers and agronomists are 80 or 90 percent of our business. Um, we put on an ag drone school right across Western Canada, and right on. that really is our key everything. Um, it's a it's a marketing tool in addition to an educational tool. So what we teach there is all of the regulatory requirements so the farmers can fly legally. As of June 1st, everybody requires a basic certificate to fly and we teach them what they need to know to get that certificate from Transport Canada. But more importantly, we also teach them the operations of a drone. 80% um, of the people that come to our class have never flown a drone before. So we start with basic takeoff and landing and, and the basic maneuvers. And then by the second day, we take them right through to autonomous mapping of crops and the types of different sensors, including the software workflow, so they, they practice how to do it before they go home and use the drone on their own farm. Um, can you tell me a little bit about um, how a typical drone training course plays out? Sure. On uh, day one, we spend a lot of time looking at the many uses of drones. Uh, I call it the 101 uses for ag drones, and we're actually over 101 different uses now. Just trying to get people's creativity going on what you would do with a flying camera, which is what most of these drones are. In some cases, you're also applying product with them, but by and large, it's a glorified camera that flies. So we start with that process and then take them through how those drone, how the drone actually works, the theory of flight, um, the regulatory requirements and the airspace uh, requirements. And then by the, by the afternoon of day one, we spend a couple of hours just flying. So everybody gets to learn how to fly in an indoor confined space where it turns them into pretty decent pilots by the end of the first day. And then on day two, they design their own mapping missions and map a field and then create the maps, create the ortho mosaics from that. So then they're really on their way as far as using, using drones uh, and figuring out how to use them to uh, yep. work, their, uh, work their farming operation. Absolutely. And I can't teach them everything they need to know. And that's actually part of the best part for me is the students will come back to me six months later and say, I found another drone. I found another use. I found another use. And everybody uses it as a different kind of tool. I, I equate it to smartphones. We used to use them as phones. Yeah. But now our phones are cameras, they're Rolodexes, they're calculators, they're thermal cameras if you want that. And drones are very much the same way. Um, is, is the number of people looking for drone training on the increase? like? like I would expect. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we had twice as many students last year as we did the year before, and uh, already this year interest is much higher than it was the year before. And a big part of that is that people are seeing that this is not an insurmountable challenge for them. It's pretty simple to fly a drone. Um, a consumer drone, you can learn to fly that in 10 or 15 minutes for the basic maneuvers, and so people aren't scared of the technology anymore. And I think that's why we're seeing so much interest. Uh, are, are people, in fact, surprised? Uh, about how, how, well, let's say easy, <laughs> yeah. it, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I try to pick out the person in the crowd that's the most hesitant uh -huh. to learn how to fly and make sure they go first because they're, they are always surprised in that first flight how simple it is. Um, how rapidly would you say the use of drones is becoming a prevalent part of agriculture? I estimate that between 20 and 25 and 30 percent of farms now have a drone of some sort on the farm. Which that seems huge. It is. But many of those are being used as a consumer item. Right. Um, even though they're capable of mapping, people are using them to take pictures of farm, family, equipment, and then eventually they discover the use as a crop scouting tool. And then even much later than that, they use it as a full-fledged data collection tool. So it's kind of a people start with baby steps 
And those 25 or 30 percent of farms, I, I would estimate maybe maybe a quarter of those are even less, are actively using it as a data collection tool. I mean, it takes a while to get to that point. Right. Uh, so how important then is the, the education component uh, of drone drone system usage, if you, if you want to take that step? Yeah. Well, for me, the education is important to protect this as a tool that we can continue to use. Um, the actual risk from flying a drone in rural areas is generally very low, right. especially at low altitude. But there is a lot of other air traffic out there, uh, people checking pipelines and the like. And I want to make sure that people actually understand the legalities and the way to operate safely. Because if we do ever have any incidents between a drone and manned aircraft, that really may remove this tool as a possible use for us as an industry. So that's that's one of the main reasons that I think the training is essential, is so that people know where they can fly legally and safely. Okay, uh, well, one last question for you. Uh, what should ag professionals consider when they're deciding whether or not they should uh, take this training and take the step uh, towards use, using drones in their, their business? Well, I think it takes some thought before you go to any training what you're actually going to do with it. And I encourage people to sit down and use your creativity on their farm. If I had a drone yesterday, what would I have used it for? And inevitably, people will come up with uses. If there are uses that are useful to you and they're enough to pay for the drone and the training, well, that's the, the time to get into it. If you don't have the time or the money to be able to, to afford a, a true tool, then the training probably isn't necessary. Um, although, now with the new regulations, you do need a basic certificate to operate any drone, even for fun. Um, anything over 250 grams requires that you have a basic certificate license. So it really is something everybody should be doing if, if they're going to fly a drone for any purpose. Well, uh, thanks a lot for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Of course, flying a drone is one thing, but using it as a data collection device is another. Melissa Silvernagel of AgriCity also conducted demos at AgSmart. Ian chatted with her the following week about her company in partnership with Terranist, which is another agribusiness that uses drone camera pods and AI technology in their data collection services. Melissa, well, welcome to the Grains West podcast. Thank you for having me. What type of products and services does uh, AgriCity provide? Uh, well, this year we're partnered with a company called Tyrannus. Uh, they're an Israel-based precision egg company. And uh, they actually uh, have some technology that we use that we attach to our drones. It's a camera pod that allows us to take imagery at the sub-millimeter level across the field. Okay. Um, what is uh, AgriCity doing in, in, in the area of, of drone scouting technology? Uh, what What are... Can you tell me what it's all about? Yeah, so essentially we're offering a digital, full digital agronomy service. Um, so obviously with any agronomy service we offer, soil sampling and you know, fertility planning and all the pre-season pla planning. Um, but then what separates us um, from others is this digital um, scouting, the sub-millimeter scouting with drones. So how it works is we attach these camera pods to our drones. Uh, and we, a farm will call and say, hey, I'd like you to fly my canola field, for example. Um, so we will create a flight plan, uh, head out to the field, and fly the field. So we fly the drones at about 40 kilometers an hour at 40 to 50 feet, depending on the crop that we're flying and the stage that it's at. Um, and we can fly a quarter section in about 10 to 12 minutes, depending on the wind speeds, of course. Uh, so as the drone is flying, the camera pod is taking one to one and a half images every acre. 
again, very dependent on uh, what speed we're going. And once we're done flying, each of those images get uploaded into Tyrannus's, uh uh, artificial intelligence platform, and each image is analyzed for disease, insects, uh, weeds, nutrient deficiencies, um, emergence issues, you know, any abnormalities that it finds in the images, it detects those and gives us insight reports on what is going on in the field. Fantastic. Um, I guess the, the uh, can you describe the digital agronomy services, uh, I guess, that uh, that the company then uh, puts that data through, and uh, um, I, I know you're you're intending to uh, roll out. Uh, a, 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 correct me if I'm wrong. A, a fleet of uh, uh, digital services, agronomic digital services, next year. And I guess how are drones a part of that? Yeah. So this year we've been doing a lot of data collection. Um, so next year with uh, you know with all this data, we'll be launching it full force. Um, and when I say data collection, so obviously with any new technology and the AI, the computer needs to learn. And our pests are obviously very different from what they would see in Israel or the U.S. even. Um, this technology has been in the U.S. for a couple of years now, but this was the first year that it's, you know, really been in Canada. Um, so training the computer to all of our crops and our pests so took a lot of our time this year. Um, so next year, you know, we plan to have all of that ready to go. Uh, we'll still continue training throughout the winter. Um, but, uh, yeah, so next year we'll be offering the sub-millimeter imagery as well as uh, QHR imagery and uh, satellite imagery to build um, prescriptions and uh, just pr provide agronomic support to our farmers. Uh, fantastic. Uh, I guess one thing we, we should talk about uh, is the... Uh, the artificial intelligence or AI side of the technology that you're using there. Uh, can you, uh, for those unfamiliar, uh, how are you employing that specific technology here? Right. So this is where Tyrannus is. You know, it's their technology, right? Um, so they have a team of around a hundred uh, tagging agronomists uh, worldwide um, that are training the computer on this. So on average, with AI, a computer needs to. Uh, see something about a thousand times before it will really start to recognize it. Um, and so that's, you know, I said again, we've uh, done a lot of data collection this year so that we can train the computer. The computer has as many opportunities as possible to see all of these different weeds and insects and, and even the crops, right? Um, this was the first year that it had really seen a lot of canola and peas and lentils. Um, so understanding um, what uh, a bad lesion looks like on a you know, on a canola plant or a pea plant. Um, yeah, so it, it takes lots of time to train the computer. Um, and so, yeah, once, uh, once it sees it, what it does is it throws a little tagging box around it. Um, so any abnormality that it sees it, it throws a, a box around it. And as we're in the training process, you know, we're telling the computer, okay, so this box that you tagged here, this is Ascochyta. Um, this is a kosher plant, um, and, and that's kind of the process that we do throughout, or what we have been doing throughout the summer in training the computer. Uh, does does the computer, in fact, uh, always continue to uh, get better to hone its understanding of what it's looking at? Absolutely. Um, you know, the weeds obviously it's had no problem seeing weeds this summer. Um, it's very, it's doing very well with the weeds. Um, I would say, on average, it's you know, we're getting probably about 90% um, 
you know, correct tagging. Uh, there is the odd time that it'll still tag the wrong thing, but that's with anything and, and the process with or something that it doesn't recognize, it'll still tag it and it will, if it doesn't understand it, it'll immediately throw it to um, an agronomist and the agronomist will go, okay, um, you don't know what this is, I'll tell you what this is, right? Uh, but uh, it's it's doing really well. So it's it's really neat to see how uh, how it's progressed throughout the summer. Uh, can, can you give us a bit of an idea uh, of, of how the how these uh, digital agronomy services uh, um, can benefit farmers? Uh, what what can it do for them? You know, I really see it as a, the sub millimeter imagery is a value added piece on the farm. Um, you know, I I'm an agronomist by trade. I've done consulting for a number of years. Um, I can't scout fields at the level that this technology can, right? Um, you know, a typical crop scout or agronomist will scout a field in a W pattern, and, and I'm only 5'5", five five, so, <laughs> you know, when you're scouting, a, let's use a canola field, for example, for bird's eyes, you know, the crop is quite thick and it's tall, and it's hard to trample through, right? And, that's, again, you're trampling through it. Um, the fact that I can, you know, throw this drone up in the air, and it will do a uniform pattern across the entire field um, in 10 minutes, I can't physically do that, right? Um, so it's giving me a really good picture on what really is going on in that field um, just by flying it, but then the AI uh, analyzing all of that data and telling me what's going on saves me a lot of time in that aspect. So um, it's in no way is it replacing boots on the ground. Again, I view it as a... A way of adding value to the farm. Uh, the drone is not, in fact, a, a competitor of uh, uh, with agronomists. It's it, it's effectively it, it sounds to me like a really great tool. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that statement. What are the hurdles in, in developing this type of technology? Uh, I mean, have, have there been you know bumps along the way? Absolutely. Um, I mean, being completely truthful, we had hoped that the computer was a little more familiar with some of the pests um, at the beginning of the season. Um, so once we realized that uh, it wasn't at the level that we needed it to be, we had to you know take a step back and go, okay, you know what? This year we're really going to dedicate to data collection and you know not focus on getting it out to a million different farms, right? Um, so that's definitely been a challenge. Uh, but a big challenge too is you know when you are in the training process is we need to see a lot of different pests. And so if those pests aren't a problem on a certain year, um, so whether it's diamondback moths or birds of army worms or aphids or whatever, right, or even just uh, specific weeds, um, maybe they're not uh, a problem area where we're flying, um, you know, if we're, we're missing those pests, then the computer obviously isn't seeing that, right? Um, and so that could potentially be a problem in a couple of years if, say, all of a sudden we have a, a diamond back moss uh, outbreak and, you know, the computer isn't familiar with it. It's kind of at that point we're taking a step back because we have to train the computer on that again. So that would be some of the hurdles. Um, again, we've been working really hard to uh, uh, find as much as we can, and, and that's where it, it's handy having a team across Western Canada um, communicating with farms, up, again, all over Western Canada that we can communicate out, you know, we're looking for this pest. If you see this, please call me because we want to come fly it. Um, so, yeah, those are some of the hurdles. Well, what what does the future hold for, for drone use in, in agronomics? Are we just going to see more... Uh 
constant refinement. Yeah, you know, I think it's really only starting to become something that you're seeing in the last couple of years. Um, with any type of technology, it's constantly changing and growing. Um, I think it's going to be something that we're seeing more and more. Uh, I even look on Twitter. Uh, I follow a lot of agronomists on Twitter, um, and a lot of them are old-school agronomists, and, and even they are starting to use drones in their practice, right, just because they're, it's super handy. You know, it, it can cover a lot of ground faster than we can and without trampling through the field. So um, I, I think it's going to be something that's going to become a lot more popular, and as the technology changes, it, it's only going to get better. Uh, well, thanks a lot for uh, uh, talking with me today, Melissa. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, let's take a short break from the podcast and chat about an exciting event coming up this December. Decisive Farming wants to connect you and other leading Canadian farmers. Attend informative keynote addresses and participate in small group workshops at this year's Quantified Farm Conference, taking place in Vancouver, BC on December 4th and 5th. I recently caught up with Ramey Schmaltz, CEO and co-founder of Decisive Farming, to find out more about the event. Ramey, what makes this conference unique? Well, the Quantified Farm Conference is not about just having an event that just gets bigger every year. Uh, we keep it really tight to around 200 industry thought leaders. Uh, so it's really top quality uh, networking uh, and new relationships are forged there really for a lifetime. You know, we have growers that come back every year uh, to meet with other farmers and they call it their annual general meeting uh, where they catch up and learn what happened in the past year. And it's really extremely powerful to see those kinds of relationships being forged uh, between farmers that are uh, throughout Canada. Why should people attend this event? Yeah, it's really for farmers who want to get quickly up to speed on the latest and greatest in agriculture. Uh, You know, I think of it as really a fast-track farmer PhD, where in only two days you can interact with other open-minded farmers uh, to learn what they're doing, but also hear from industry experts on on global technology uh, and what that technology has in terms of implications on the farm today and, and into the future. The theme of this year's conference is the Living Laboratory, an open innovation concept where ongoing research and experimentation is conducted on farm-based local knowledge. For more information on the Quantified Farm Conference, go to quantifiedfarm.ca. And now, back to the podcast. Chris Healy is the owner and operator of InFlight Data. Ian talked with Chris about how his company uses drones to gather farm data, as well as what's possible now in the future with drone-based systems. Chris, how long have you been involved with using drone systems? Uh, we've been involved with drones um, five years now, almost daily since 2014. You can find us at Uh What uh, can you what can you tell me about the products, services, and training courses? Uh, that uh, in-flight data offers and and who are your clientele? Sure, so uh, since 2014, uh, in-flight data has been delivering uh, timely and high-quality spatial data acquisition using drones and our partners have have come to trust and and use that information to make important business and mission critical decisions. Uh, Drone data gathering is a safe, efficient and cost-effective solution uh, to data gathering for uh, companies and and organizations who have uh, limited budgets and who need high quality and accurate data about critical business assets, operations and records, or training or consulting. Um, we've got a proven track record of safe drone operations with zero safety incidents uh, over work sites that are routinely measured in sections. And we work on projects using compliant aircraft and award-winning field testing procedures that ensures the highest quality aerial work anywhere in Canada. 
This is done for some of Canada's largest and most respected companies, uh, organizations, and government agencies, such as UFA, uh, BASF, Bayer, Service, Cargill, Ducks Unlimited, uh, the province of Alberta, City of Calgary, uh, Foothills County, and then the list continues on. Um, well, InFlight's really got its uh, credentials in order. Um, I'm, I'm wondering about uh, what's what's the story behind InFlight's uh, Guinness World Record wins. <laughs> yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so, um, in 2018, we set out uh, in concert with Transport Canada and uh, over 20 large national and multinational companies uh, to prove that beyond visual line of sight drone flight uh, has immense commercial potential for agriculture, but as well as uh, things like search and rescue, energy, and municipal government operations. And this included several very large farming operations in southern Alberta. Uh, we had earned three records uh, from the Guinness, uh, from Guinness World Records uh, for longest cumulative beyond visual line of sight flight, which uh, coming, came in at just over 2,700 kilometers. Uh, we also earned uh, longest urban cumulative, uh, which was at 414 kilometers, and the single longest uh, urban, uh, which was over 40 kilometers. Uh, our largest agricultural operation for that project was over 5,000 acres, and we gathered uh, very high-resolution data at uh, less than 3 centimeters a pixel. And to give you some comparison there, satellite data is typically around 5 meters, so we're orders of magnitude uh, higher resolution of data. Uh, we collected that data over two days. Uh, it was done for Ducks Unlimited for a wetland analysis. And uh, that, uh, that uh, project has been published in over 50 international publications, and we continue to, to educate people on the benefits of using drones for agriculture. I guess that uh, whole experience uh, with the Guinness Book, I mean, really, it illustrates how... Uh, um so, sort of a, how how uh, the usage of drones is just uh, drone technology is has has really exploded, hasn't it? Well, I, I, it has and it hasn't. Uh, you know, drones. You, know, you can go to Best Buy and Costco and you can buy a drone, and that's fine. And there's in the last count, Transport Canada had over twenty thousand basic operators in Canada since the new regulations took effect on June first. But farmers and agricultural professionals aren't really using them to their full potential yet. Okay. Um, well, with, with that usage increasing, uh, are, farmers, uh, are farmers twigging onto it more, and are they indeed going to, to start using it to that full potential? Slowly they are, and what we're finding here is um, people are kind of waiting for the technology to level off. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. The technology itself is is, is growing. It, it's it's leaping itself every year. There's new functionalities and new technologies and new iterations of those technologies that are coming out. And uh, people who are sitting on the sidelines waiting for things to level off are going to find themselves sitting on the sidelines for a very very long time. Um, you you might be able to you know uh, for for most uh, for, for most folks they are uh, you know I compare it to kind of like the tractors in the fifties. You know, you know, motorized tractors in the 50s came along and, and uh, they revolutionized farms because uh, they didn't have to use their, their, their horses any longer. And then things kind of leveled out and tractor technology didn't really go anywhere in terms of uh, growing that technology for, for, for many, 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 many years. And so farmers could go and buy a tractor and that tractor would sit on the farm for generations. That's not the case with drones. Uh, right, right. Uh, well, what do people need to know uh, about uh, drones in uh, uh, in farming and uh, in, in getting them uh, I, I, making that first step? Sure. Uh, so um, 
honestly, anyone can go to Best Buy or Costco and buy a drone, um, but it's, it's not going to get you exactly what you need. Uh, you might be able to take some nice pictures. You might be able to do some scouting on some crops or, or some livestock, but, but you know, you're not going to be able to do much else. Um, unlike the tractors in the 50s, drone technology is constantly improving, and so waiting for that time when things level out means you're going to be waiting for a time that might never come. And farmers who want to use drones in farming have to do a couple of things before they can unlock that potential. So the first thing they need to do is they need to do their homework or come and talk to us. You need to know what you want to get out of it. Uh, scouting has different needs and different requirements than producing precision agricultural prescriptions or crop insurance documentation. And so knowing what you want to use it for is going to start to uh, march you down one path or another path. Uh, ultimately, you know, farmers and farming operations have limited dollars to spend, uh, limited, limited capital dollars to spend on these things. And so you want to make sure you spend your good money once on technology that's going to support your operations for years. So uh, my first piece would be to consider uh, for farmers um, to, uh, to avoid having to have that, that capital expenditure or outlay right away is to consider using a service provider first because the costs are typically a lot, a lot lower. This can often save you thousands of dollars right away while you're trying to figure out what the best solution is for your farm. You can then use that to determine if the technology is a benefit to your farming operation before you go ahead and invest a lot more time, money, and resources because this does require time, it does require money, and it does require uh, establishing a workflow on your farm so that you can uh, use the information that the drone is going to collect to actually make a decision. It's not about the drone at all. It's about the information that that drone is going to collect so that you can use that information to make a better decision for your farming operation. The second thing I would recommend is go and get a license. So all drone pilots in Canada are required to obtain a license and follow the Canadian aviation regulations. For most farmers, that's going to be a basic pilot permit. Um, however, if you are within three nautical miles of any aerodrome in Canada, as defined by the Canadian Flight Supplement, you are required to have an advanced operation permit. Uh, we at InFlight Data, we offer both the advanced and basic courses, and we are a Transport Canada registered education provider and a certified flight reviewer. So we have that, that uh, credential to be able to get you that, that permit. And third, uh, not all manufacturers and third-party data providers or data processors are created equally. Uh, you might save some money on a drone at Best Buy, only to find out later that you can't process the data, data in the way that you need later, and now you've just wasted that money. Okay. Um... Well, I guess what what people want to know is, uh, you know, what's the drone going to do for me? Uh, can you talk a little bit about the types of data, such as uh, NVDI maps, uh, that can be uh, collected uh, with drones and, and how how that data can be put to use? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, some drones and data processing workflows uh, can create uh, what are called index maps, like NVDI or SAVI. Uh, these are visual representations of mathematical formulas that provide some insight into what might be happening with your crops. They can be quite useful uh, to determine areas that require more attention, such as more or less fertilizer or more or less herbicide or more or less pesticide. Uh, they do require um, a ground visit to the locations to have a first-hand look to make a final determination of the state of that crop in that particular location. What I mean by that is uh, the image that that is collected is, is just math. What is required to validate that math is actually going to a particular location where there's a, an interest, whether it's a, a high value or a low value, to go and see what's actually happening there. Um, we use the 
collected data and we also create custom precision agricultural prescriptions for an entire crop. And that's one of the beautiful things about drones is that a drone is going to scan 100% of your crop. There's no more you know, walking 15 feet into the crop, pulling a couple uh, a couple crops out of the ground, a couple plants out of the ground, having to look at them, making a determination based on those two or three plants that you just pulled, and then applying that decision to the entire section of crop. We, with, a, with a drone, you're going to be able to scan 100% of that crop and then make decisions at the plant level, not at the section level. And that's a really big difference uh, why drones are so effective in that area. So um, we'll create, uh, for example, using that NDVI map, we'll highlight areas for a grower that are doing very well, areas that require some improvement, and we'll give you uh, give the, 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 the grower uh, those GPS locations, as well as a digital file that they can go and, and pick a GPS location themselves to go and find out exactly what's happening at, uh, at the ground level. And they would then, uh, that, that map would end up being on their phone, they could then take their phone out into the field using the GPS on their phone, it would take them exactly to where they needed to go. Um, the custom uh, precision agricultural prescription, again, is also done for the entire crop. It's scaled to the width of the sprayer nozzles, because that's the resolution that, that the grower cares about. Anything greater than that is, 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 is wasted time. Um, the, that precision agricultural prescription is GPS tagged, and it ensures that maximum accuracy in the delivery of those exp very expensive crop protection solutions. Um, other uses might include uh, uh, grower decision support for calculating crop inputs. How much crop input should I go and buy? We can we can provide that information to you. Uh, you can use the information to, to create crop insurance documentation and data to submit. So if you've got you know 12.24 percent loss on your crop, how can we prove to the to the insurance to the insurer uh, that it is 12.24 percent, and we can do do that fairly easily. Uh, we can provide, provide information on, on how to support equipment maintenance, as well as provide year-round agronomy support for change detection over time. A couple good examples for you, Ian. So uh, my, my family, we have a, a background in farming. We've been in, in uh, my son is the sixth generation Southern Albertan. We've got uh, a, a fairly large um, cow-calf operation. We grow our own feed. And uh, anecdotally, um, using uh, the, the drone data that we supply to the, to the farm, we've seen roughly a 25% reduction in nitrogen application over the over the the, the hay field um, and where we're growing the the, um, the feed. But what's very interesting is that even though we reduce the amount of nitrogen that we're putting on the land, which is a very good thing for the environment, we're also seeing roughly an eight to ten percent yield bump from that, and that's strictly from the the very specific application of nitrogen to only the areas that need it and a reduction in nitrogen to the areas that don't. And that has, uh, that, that's translated roughly to about a $75,000 savings per year for our family farm. Okay, so that really illustrates how, uh, how the, the return on investment uh, can, can work. Absolutely, it can. And, and that $75,000 is a combination of the, of the amount of nitrogen saved that wasn't added to the land. Yep in addition to the yield bump on the hay. Okay. So, uh, you know, a couple of other examples I've got for you. So um, we've got one client near Claris Home who uses the custom prescription and we put it on a USB stick for him. And he takes that USB stick, he goes into his, his uh, sprayer console and he jacks the USB stick in and it's connected to a semi-autonomous unit. And the unit almost drives itself with, his, you know, of course, him in the saddle. And it asserts the spray nozzles on and off depending 
depending on the GPS location of the sprayer and the sprayer nozzle on the boom. So as an area comes up, it might not need as much nitrogen or, or any other crop protection solution. It doesn't, it doesn't have to just be nitrogen. Um, and the, the system knows where it is in space, where it is on the face of the earth, and will turn those nozzles on and off depending on what is contained in that data file. Um, that same client asked us to evaluate a test plot of canola, and he didn't give us any, any other information on that. We've got some canola there. Can you go take a look at it? And using our method, we had correctly identified 10 different varieties of canola that were growing in his field. And, uh, and based on that, we were able to successfully make a recommendation to him about which varieties should move forward through the trial from testing into large-scale production. Um, we've got another client who requests a plant count at, um, on the field at emergence. So we're able to go out and count the number of plants and their spatial proximity uh, and provide that information to the grower as input into their crop insurance process. Um, we've also found evidence uh, for another uh, another grower where his, uh, his farm equipment needed maintenance, and we were able to directly correlate that uh, to a, an area of low uh, yield in the field. Um, he was able to identify the issue on the equipment, make the repairs to the equipment before it was a major repair, and save thousands of dollars in the process. Uh, this is it's great practical information. Uh, just fa fascinating stuff. Um, I'm uh, how how do you how do you predict uh, I guess two things where where uh, where is uh, where is the technology I suppose with drone usage going to go in agriculture and usage as far as farmers uh, picking up this technology uh, so where we're seeing you know, in our collaboration that we've had with uh, with Cargill and with BASF uh, especially on the BASF side there 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 is a really strong thrust towards moving in this direction of, of using this technology. And it's not just drones, it's all different types of autonomous uh, technologies that have sensors on them to collect data at scale and then process that data in a way that's meaningful for the grower. So it's, it's growing in size. Aerial data is just one example uh, of, of the, the capability here. Uh, it, it's advantageous for aerial because of the uh, amount of area that we can cover at once versus um, you know, uh, pulling data off your green seeker on your um, uh, on your on your farm implements um, because that's data at the ground level, so it's it takes longer to collect. Um, but there are different ways to collect that data, and really, it's about it's not about the technology that's collecting the data; it's about the data itself. That's the really valuable part that um, our growers and agronomists that we work with. That's that's the part that they're the value that they're paying for is giving them the data that they can use to make sound decisions based on quantitative data, not qualitative data. Um, one last, uh, I guess one last question. Uh, what would you tell someone in, in agriculture who's, who's interested in using drones, but they're unsure if, if, uh, if drone systems uh, can, can benefit them? Sure. Um, the first thing I would say, you know, do your homework. It doesn't cost anything to do some research. Um, find a trusted advisor that you can talk with who's going to give you straight answers. Um, uh, we pride ourselves at InFlight Data as being trusted advisors. It's not about a sales cycle. It's about getting the right information uh, to the growers so they can make a decision. And what we've found is that um, by being honest uh, with growers about what the drones and what the data can do and what it can't do, um, growers are able to make their own, not only make their own decisions for themselves, but you start to build a trusted relationship with, with a provider or uh, an expert who has uh, um, experience in this field. So I'd say find a trusted advisor who's going to help you uh, 
answer those key questions about how to benefit from the technology, what to purchase, what not to purchase, because there's lots of options out there, and, and most of them aren't geared towards agriculture, so it's very important not to get sold snake oil here. Um, and, and then, of course, how to get started quickly. How do you ramp up and get going right away um, with the technology that you just spend money on? So, so you know, really find that trusted advisor that you can answer, have a good dialogue with, answer some questions, get, get some honest feedback, and then start to make some decisions. From that point, really the next thing is to get licensed. Uh, flying a drone in Canada without a license comes with a fine of up to $15,000 for a corporation. So you're going to want to make sure that you've got a license. Um, and, then, and then the next thing I would say is, uh, you know, figure out what your budget is. Um, if you don't have a big budget to, to go and buy drones and go and buy the software that you need to, set to, to, to manage the data and then create a workflow for, for your growing operation, these things take time, money, and energy. And if you don't have a budget for, for those time, monies, and energies, one of the best ways to get going now uh, on a limited budget is to consider using a service provider. They are a lot less expensive on a per-flight basis than, than it is to go and spend thousands of dollars on a drone and then try to recoup those costs at that point. So you, by using a service provider, you can kind of dip your toe in the water, find out if it's right for you, and not spend a lot of money figuring out if it's something that would be applicable to you or not. That's um, been our experience that um, when growers go out and make those, those big capital purchases first, without having done their homework, uh, they find quite often that, that there's a lot of buyer's regret because they bought technology that was expensive but didn't really get the job done for them. So this will often save growers thousands of dollars right away. And then they can determine if the technology is going to be a benefit to their farming operation before they invest more time, money, and resources. Uh, Chris, thanks a lot for your, uh, your time today. It's much appreciated. You're very welcome. Now, Ian, that's a lot of information to process, but it's clear that drones, it seems like they're no longer just a novelty on farms. Is that right? Right. As all of today's podcast guests have said, there's a lot crop farmers can do with those drone systems, including field mapping, crop scouting, and troubleshooting. If you're considering purchasing a drone and, and putting it to work in the field, the experts also say there's no time like the present. They're powerful, versatile, agronomic tools that produce measurable results, and they're uh, relatively inexpensive to own and operate. In Chris Healy's words, if you want more information, find a trusted advisor to, to, uh, to determine how drone-based data systems can, can benefit your farming operation and, and get yourself licensed. All right, that's it for another edition of the Grains West podcast. Read the digital edition of the magazine at grainswest.com, where you'll also find regular online-only stories. Until next time. Yeah.